This is womensleadershipsuccess.com radio, episode number 67. Are you stressed at work, maybe in life? Need some stress reduction tips? Listen today and see why stress reduction doesn't work. When you join us today, you will discover how to manage your stress, enhance your performance, and your career by following simple breakthrough advice from one of the top experts in optimal performance. You'll be surprised and delighted by these new proven solutions. Welcome to Women's Leadership Podcast, showing you how to influence people, improve your performance, and advance your career. Brought to you by women's leadership and career expert Sabrina Brom and womensleadershipsuccess.com. Here's your chance to meet women trendsetters leading the way to success, accomplishment, and balance in business and life, no matter if you're a manager, CEO, or entrepreneur. Join Sabrina for coaching and no-nonsense advice to improve your career and bottom line. This is Sabrina Brom with Women's Leadership Success Radio.com. Today we're talking to Ginny C. Evans. She's a speaker, author, and an expert on resiliency, stress, exercise, physiology, nutrition, and health. She's also the founder and CEO of Powerhouse Performance, working with thousands of C-suite executives, leaders, and employees worldwide. Uh, Welcome, Jenny. Thanks, Sabrina. It's great to be here. I've really enjoyed your new book, The Resiliency Revolution, uh, Your Stress Solution for Life, 60 Seconds at a Time. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about is stress a big problem in the workforce? Absolutely, and it's becoming more of a problem every single day. I mean, if you look at all the different organizations that measure levels of stress from the World Health Organization to the American Psychological Association, they're all saying that people are reporting high levels of stress and they're expecting those levels of, of stress to increase. That's people self-reporting, that they know that their lives are going to just continue to become more complex, which is why it's so important for us to train to build our resiliency to stress. It's a fact of life. So what are the consequences of having high stress? You know, a lot of times I think we view stress as just something that's emotional and it just happens in our heads, but the reality is that stress is a chemical event that radically changes our chemistry and our physiology and that when those stress hormones are left unchecked, they're not really used for the the purpose that they were designed to, that's when it leads to serious health problems because um These stress hormones make us deposit more fat around the midsection, which raises our risk of cardiovascular disease, stroke, certain forms of cancer. These stress hormones actually shrink cells in our brain that are related to focus and memory and learning. It's responsible for insomnia. These stress hormones make us pick out on high fat, high sugar foods. So, you know, if we don't really understand what these stress hormones are designed to do and how to really use them uh, really to their advantage, they can really have some negative consequences on our performance and our health. So how do we know if we're too stressed? (laughs) I 
think that's a question where people are like, no, you do you just want to know how stressed I am? Um, I mean, it's interesting for, for various people how stress can show up in our lives as um, anger. It can show up as exhaustion, being frustrated, anxiety is a big one. Not being able to maintain focus, getting easily distracted. The things that I talked about, you know, not being able to sleep, um, reaching for comfort foods on a regular basis, um, and seeing uh, negative consequences happening to our health because stress really can hinder our health in some very significant ways. Oh, that makes a lot of sense, and I'm thinking I, I do coaching in corporations, and I was just looking at a 360, and they said this really nice, calm person every once in a while will just burst out and yell at people. So what you're saying is that could be a sign of just being kind of over the top or stressed out. Oh, absolutely, and really kind of what you describe right there is, you know, we do our best to, to stay calm and, and very professional, but what happens when we're exposed to stress, it actually stimulates the really primitive portion of our brain, what I call caveman brain. Um, and caveman brain completely overrides the advanced part of our brain that is very rational and goal-oriented. Well, caveman brain is just all about survival um, and, you know, like, we should tell people exactly what we think or, of course, I should have that extra serving of ice cream. I deserved it today. Um, so it can sneak up on us where we just have these moments where we think, wow, that was bizarre behavior. Why did I do that? Well, there's a physiological reason for it. You know, those stress hormones were released. Caveman brain is now, you know, leading people within your organization. It's, you know, courting your significant other, and caveman brain's also raising your children. That's how we're designed to function best, and that's how our ancestors have survived. But now we've evolved to live in these environments where we work and live that's really kind of short-circuiting how our body was best designed to respond to stress. So uh, in your, I like what you're saying, and in the book you, you say that we need to develop resiliency. Can you talk about what that is and how we develop it? Yeah, so my take on resiliency to stress is really different. So oftentimes the question around stress is, you know, how do I reduce it, how do I minimize it, or how do I manage it? Okay, when I ask executives, okay, raise your hand, how many of you are predicting that your job is going to ask less of you next year? I don't get a single hand that goes up. Then I ask another question. How many of you are predicting that your friends, your families, or your loved ones are going to ask less of you next year? I don't get a single hand. So I say, okay, then why are we having this conversation about reducing and minimizing stress when the reality is the stress in your life is going to increase? So here's our only option. What we need to do is understand how we can train the body to recover from stress more quickly and more efficiently as well as to raise the body's threshold for stress. And so those are really the two major strategies that I cover in the book that create physiological resiliency to stress. It's not just the brain, it's the body and the brain. Great. Can you share some of those with us right now? Absolutely. You know, so the subtitle of the book is Your Stress Solution for Life 60 Seconds at a Time. Well, one of the, the major components of building resiliency is what I call play it out. 
And play it out really means, you know, historically our ancestors, when they were exposed to stress, the body releases stress hormones and that fuels the, the muscles to either fight and or flee. And then when we do the fighting and the fleeing, this short burst of intense physical activity then burns off those stress hormones and releases another set of hormones that I call the bliss molecules. These are things like endorphins, endocannabinoids, and dopamine, and they restore balance to the body as well as neutralize the negative effects of those stress hormones. So play it out really means a short burst of intense physical activity in response to stress that restores balance. Can you and give so us some examples? Actually, some, like how would you do yeah. that? Yep. So what, what research shows is it only takes 30 to 60 seconds of intense physical activity to get those bliss molecules. So as long as you have your body and gravity is turned on, you have everything that you need. What you can do is, you know, shut your office door and you can do some um, some squats, some squat jumps, maybe some burpees, some lunges, totally depends on how you're dressed. Um, another example would be, you know, you just left a really tense meeting and now you're going to your next meeting for which you're late for because meetings never end on time. And instead of taking the elevator, you find the stairwell and you just sprint up two flights of, of stairs, which then, you know, all those activities mimic that fight or flight response and restore physiological balance to the body. And it only takes 60 seconds. That's such a, a beautiful idea. And, you know, I've studied this type of thing for years and I've never heard anybody say that before. Maybe I wasn't listening right, but it's what a great idea. Yeah, I mean, and to be honest, I, you know, I've not seen this theory out there, but when you, when you really start digging into it, I can't tell you like what an aha moment this was for me writing this book that the body is so brilliantly designed. Um, we just need to understand the body's brilliant design and how to really use it to our advantage. So how does eating, the eating affect, uh, stress and what can we do to, get more resiliency around the way we eat. Yeah. A lot of times the things that we do from a nutrition perspective, we don't realize are actually increasing stress on the body. So, for instance, you're really stressed out, you're short on time. Most people's reaction is, well, I can, I'll just skip lunch or I'll skip my snack. Well, the reality is that any time we go longer than four hours without eating, the stress response is stimulated, the body releases those hormones, and we've radically shifted our chemistry and physiology again. So simple things like just making sure that you're eating about every three hours minimizes stress on the body. You know, the, the snacks that we have, oftentimes we'll reach for something like uh, candy or uh, caffeine to keep us going, but... Really, things like caffeine and nicotine stimulate the stress response. When we eat things like candy, it creates a blood glucose spike and then crash, which is very stressful on the body. So just understanding, you know, when you're having a mid-morning and a mid-afternoon snack, to choose something that's low glycemic, something that's going to give you a steady supply of glucose for your brain and your body and three things make a food low glycemic if that food has fat fiber and or protein that's a better choice for a resilient snack 
great. So something like nuts might be good or um, an apple? Absolutely. Those make phenomenal choices. And the good news about those those choices is you don't take a lot of time to prepare. Those are things that you can throw into your bag, you know, five minutes or less in the morning. I always tell people also, you know, set your 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 phone or your, your computer to go off mid-morning and mid-afternoon as a reminder for you to stop and get that snack in there so that you can sustain all your performance and all your concentration and focus, um, not only throughout the workday, but also when you leave work. That's when your second workday starts. Um, and you still need to have energy to, to really be your absolute best when you, when you leave your job as well. You know, I, uh, that makes sense. I have a lot of clients who skip meals. So a lot of uh, the executives I work with will tell me, I don't eat breakfast, I don't eat lunch, I don't eat anything until I get home at night. Yeah, I mean, it's ironic. A lot of the things that we do to try to cope with stress make things worse, that we'll say, you know what, I'm really busy and I don't have time, so I'm going to skip a meal. Also, I'm going to stay up late and I'm going to get up early in order to get work done, so I'm going to get by on less sleep. You know, um, I need alcohol at the end of the day to help me slow down. I'll skip my workouts because I don't have time. Well, all of those things actually dramatically increase the stress on our body and not decrease it. And at, and probably end up making us not as efficient and, and as effective as we could be long-term at the same time. Absolutely. I mean, when you think about all the, the medical advances we've had in the last, you know, 100 years, but yet as a society, we are more stressed out, we're more exhausted, we're unhealthier, we're more overweight and more sleep-deprived than ever before, which is really why I was driven to write the Resiliency Revolution. I want people to join my revolution in that, you know, stress is not going to break you down uh, over time. Well, you know what, how can you strategically use stress to actually expand your capacity? Be a better leader. Be a better significant other. Be a better parent. That makes a lot of sense. You talk about uh, developing a healthy environment. Can you give us some examples of that? Yeah, so oftentimes when we're looking to make change, we think, okay, well, I just have to use my willpower and my self-discipline to start practicing new lifestyle behaviors. Well, research actually shows that willpower is a very easily exhausted resource. The more we use it, the less of it we have. And so I help people understand that there is a huge unconscious part of our brain that's really affected by our environment. Most of us are living and working in environments where there's food everywhere and we have to move very little. And this has really kind of been a disastrous default for us as a species. But as much as an environment uh, can be unhealthy, we can also create environments that are more conducive to a more resilient lifestyle. So I help people create something called an optimal default. And an optimal default is a small change to your environment that helps you to make change automatically without you even knowing it. So, for example, um, eating too much places a stress on the body. So saying, well, I'm just going to stop eating so much, well, that's not such a great strategy. We know it doesn't work long term, but if you do this, if you switch from a 12-inch dinner plate 
to a 10-inch dinner plate, you'll eat 22% less food every meal, every day, without even knowing that you're eating less food. So an optimal default makes change automatic. We don't have and willpower to try to make change. And so the book is really full of how do you create optimal defaults in all of your environment. So from the, more, the time you wake up through to the time that you go to bed, when you are traveling for work, when you're eating in a restaurant, when you're going to a grocery store, what can you do to create optimal defaults that really just gently nudge you in the direction of making choices that are much better for your resiliency, your performance, and your health? Wonderful. And what about sleep? A lot of people that I work with are getting less than six hours a day. What's the, what does the research tell us about this? The research is saying that that is not good, that, you know, we can get by on less sleep, but it is one of the worst things for us to do from a stress perspective. Um, really, sleep is the number one tool that we have for recovery. And interesting, um, some recent research is showing that when we're sleep deprived, we are hungrier and not hungrier for, let's say, like, you know, chicken breast with no skin and steamed vegetables, we're hungry for simple carbohydrate, high, um, high calorie, high sugar foods. And when we're sleep deprived, we actually uh, go into fat storage mode. So we're storing more fat on the body. So really the effects of sleep deprivation are compounding stress on top of the body. So it's really critical that we get seven to nine hours of sleep each night. And so, um, you know, in the book, I, there's a, quite a bit of time spent on sleep and how can you create strategies that will not only give you, a, you know, more sleep, but also a better quality of sleep. What do you think about napping? You know what? The research around napping is phenomenal, that if you have the ability to take a short nap, I mean, what they're saying is like 15 minutes is really ideal for a nap, that if you have the the place um, to do it, you should absolutely do it. Excellent. And we're just about um, finished with our interview, but I'm wondering if you can tell people how they can use the stress response to their advantage. What, what last words would you like to leave us with? You know, I always tell people we don't really want to go back to our, our caveman days, you know, when we first evolved. Um, it was a really hard, high-stress life. But the way that, you know, we're living in environments now that have changed so drastically in the last even 250 years, but our DNA has changed very little in the last 10,000 years. So the resiliency revolution, um, and actually the title, the word revolution is little r, big E, understanding how we've evolved to respond to stress and how we can really still take the best pieces of that response um, to, to really be able to live in the face of the high demands that we all have at work and home. Great. Thank you so much, Jenny, for taking this time to talk to us, and I wish you the best in all that you do. Thanks again. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. What have been the obstacles you've overcome? We'd love to hear your challenges, opinions, and breakthroughs. 
please visit www.womensleadershipsuccess.com and post your comments at the bottom of the show. And will you do me a favor? Please share Women's Leadership Success and the blog with your friends and associates. And thanks for listening. Thank you for joining your host, Sabrina Brom, on another Women's Leadership Podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can email her at sabrina at sabrinabrahm.com. Since 1989, Sabrina and her team have helped hundreds of women managers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs with valuable trainings, articles, books, and executive coaching. For additional tips, interviews, and free access to Great Leaders Today mini-course, visit www.womensleadershipsuccess.com.